Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. And I'm Michael. Hello. Hello. So James is out this week. <laughs> yeah, he's out this week. He's busy traveling, but that's okay. We're going to we're gonna get by. We're going to do our best. If you see him out there in the world, be sure to say hello to him and we miss him dearly. Hi, hi, hi James. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just jump right into the news for this week. And starting it off, we have big numbers for the Nintendo Switch. Another report by NPD came out, and it's basically saying that the Nintendo Switch slash Nintendo Switch Lite is just crushing it in sales. It is doing better than both the PS4 and Xbox, not only in this past month, but kind of the entire year for 2019 it's it's sort of been outperforming everybody else now that's that's saying a lot and that's and it is great but we have to often we have to keep in mind that both of those other systems have been around for a little while they have also been confirmed to release a new next gen version of them holiday season next year so it's it's not crazy that their numbers are starting to slump i mean they they've been around for quite a while but let's not take away from the fact that Nintendo is crushing it. They're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. I think that the Switch Lite has really pushed those numbers again and gave it a real boost in the arm. We've got amazing games coming out still for the remainder of the year that I know you and I are both excited about and we're going to get to later, but it's just doing wonderful. I think it's doing really, really great. Uh, the, The accessory part of it is a little bit different it's it's sort of dropped off a tiny bit. So for September 2019, the spending on accessories and game cards fell by 7% compared to last year. And the year-to-date sales of accessories and games has dropped 2% compared to the year before. Not, not, not a huge problem, though, I don't no. think. Um, and then Amiibos are doing very well. They've actually jumped compared to last year. They jumped eight times to be precise, which is amazing. And a lot of that was driven by Smash Brothers Series 1 Amiibos and the Link's Awakening Amiibo, which is adorable. So I'm not a big Amiibo guy, but there's a few of them that I thought would just look cute on a shelf. And Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what happens a lot of the times. People are just like, oh, I just just want that. I just want to collect it. Have you seen the Link's Awakening ones yet? Yeah, it's great. They're They're, really cute. (laughs) They're really, really cute. And they, they... they they fit sort of the style really mm-hmm. really well mm-hmm. i think i think they did um, a great job with those yeah yeah Sma- no absolutely the smash brother ones i'm like whatever i don't play smash brothers but <laughs> yeah I, yeah i mean i've i'm just not a big amiibo guy anyway but i have thought about getting some of them just because i think they look so cool and you know i don't i don't really play a lot of smash so that that wasn't a factor for me yeah but you do want to get Link's awakening and it will happen it will <laughs> it will <laughs> Before we move on to the game news, we have a little bit of a PSA brought to you um, by the Nintendo's customer support Twitter for Japan. Uh, this past week, they posted a kind of funny but also serious warning, uh, reminding Switch owners not to put their consoles on the sofa because they'll probably sit on it. And when you sit on something like that, it'll break. Hmm. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny because it's not really something that you think would be necessary to say. But if you think about it, you know they said this because they got a call saying someone sat on it because they put it on their couch and they had to send it in to get it fixed or something like that. So it's just kind of funny to think about. But general warning, either dock your switch, don't set it on the couch or get a nice case like TomTalk or Satisfy. Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, not a sponsor, but they are great cases and we yeah. we, we have been rocking those ourselves so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's kind of funny like you said this obviously is happening i have never thrown mine on the couch and even came close to sitting on it knock on wood because now i probably will after the <laughs> we record but um yeah i mean take care of your stuff and i could definitely see that just crushing it it is funny that they put yeah. it out it has like a little illustration of you know like a woman sitting on the couch and like oh because she broke her <laughs> Her switch but um yeah throw that thing in a in a case or something just to keep it safe i mean 
you know, it's it's pretty pretty important little piece of tech. I don't want yeah, that thing getting your, smashed. Love your expensive little piece of technology. Yeah, yeah. Take, <laughs> Take care, care of, of things. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now let's jump right into the game news. And, and starting it off, we're going to be talking about Mario Kart Tour again. It's just like, what, th- three weeks in a row we've been talking about this, this little app that could. And they got a <laughs> recent update, 1.1.0. And unfortunately... This update does not give us what we have all been wanting and hoping for, which is multiplayer. We still do not have a true multiplayer, but what we do have is a badge list, which is kind of nice because it's funny as I've been putting time into it and I get these badges. I'm always kind of wondering, well, where, you know, how do I look at them? Where, where are they going and if you complete a challenge and you get a badge, mm-hmm. those challenges all reset in the next two weeks. So my, my question is, you know, am, is my badge list resetting or is that continuing through each different, you know, Mm -hmm. tour or challenge or however they want to break it down? If, if it doesn't, which I don't think it is, I think some of the badges when I checked were carried over from the previous sort of season. Um, and, and I think that's nice. That's what I wanted. So I'm happy that that's changed. I have to double check when the new, I'm calling it season. I, I know they probably call it something else, but when the new season starts, um, I'm going to double check and confirm that. But I believe everything carries over those badges so that you can still put them in. And when you race other people, they can see what you've earned. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that's happened is they've made it so you can see how many points you need to get to get uh, uh, the grand star, you know, to, to max out the levels as well as how many points you currently have in there. And at first I didn't know how to do this because it wasn't really spelled out when you, when you go to a, a cup or a tour, they have the four different race types and you click that and it jumps you in and you pick your driver, you pick your car, you pick your, uh, glider. But if you hold it down before you jump into it without just tapping, it will pop up a little window and it tells you, okay, for this race, you need 6,500 points to get all five stars, which is nice. You don't have okay. to guess. Typically, you wouldn't know that until after the race, mm-hmm. and then you you just don't know what you're getting. Um, so I do like the fact that they, at least going into it, I know what I'm trying to get. It, sometimes it's just not going to happen. There's currently, I'm you know trying to get the um, enough points to get higher up on the ranked list mm-hmm. and some of these people have 20,000 points, 25,000 points. I'm I'm somewhere in the 15,000 and the, no matter how many times I try to do it, I I don't know if I just don't have the right cars or if they have a crazy technique that they're using, I just cannot get higher in the in the ranked battles. Mm-hmm. But at least now going in, I know I can get how many stars I can do. So I think that's I think that's great. Um but who who knows, we'll, hopefully we'll be seeing something about the multiplayer soon but who knows <laughs> and in addition to the update we also did get a little bit of news that we're getting a new halloween tour so they are calling it a tour i was calling it a season but it's a halloween tour which will be coming out and it launches october 22nd and it's going to feature luigi's mansion track and we got confirmed luigi is going to be in the new season which it was crazy to me he wasn't to begin with. And also, we're getting King Boo as a playable racer. And Nintendo has said that he has his own special skill that's surely fit for a king. So that's cool. New racers, new tracks, new everything. And that kicks off October 22nd. What is King Boo from? Uh, Mario. I mean, he's he's in the Mario games. You know, like oh. the little ghosts. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I think I also remember reading that there's going to be a special Haunted Mansion track included yes. as well. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And I was thinking, because we had comments on the side of the notes wondering why Luigi wasn't included since the beginning. And my thinking was maybe it was part of their plan the whole time to kind of build hype with Luigi's Mansion coming out. They're kind of doing like a crossover marketing thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's my theory, but that's very possible. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I mean, he's going to be there now. So I guess that problem solved, but yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would make sense. And then also, you know, at the end of the month, which this does kind of line up to that, it, the, the 
Halloween tour runs from October 22nd until November November 5th. And mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of that, Luigi's Mansion comes out. Right. So it would make sense. Okay. So now we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, there's a new app that's going to be coming out called Pokemon Wild Area Search, which is going to allow you to explore the wild area of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, it's going to be available early November, uh, and it's going to be out until December 31st. Uh, it's coming out on PC, Mac, smartphones, and tablets. And essentially, it's going to feature a 360-degree angle camera, and it's going to allow users to encounter certain Pokemon and explore diorama of the game's wild area. I love this idea because after seeing the 24-hour stream and seeing the environment, I've been wanting to see more of just that. So being able to kind of explore the wild area, the open area a little bit, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how you feel about it, but... (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think if you're still on the fence about the game or you don't plan on getting it early November, essentially that could be a week, maybe two weeks before it actually comes out. After that, Mm -hmm. I have no interest in seeing this because I'm going to be in the wild area. I don't need to see Mm -hmm. the diorama of a wild area. And my guess is it's like you said, it's a 360 degree camera that I think you're going to be able to switch from camera to camera and kind of look at a very limited section of it. You're not sure. going to be moving around. You're just going to be moving your camera to look at stuff. Um, and I think that's really neat. And I think any anytime they have these interesting marketing sort of gimmicks, but just, you know, it creates an excitement around something. I'm excited for it. I definitely yeah. will check it out. But the game's going to be out, and I'm not going to be messing with this thing when the game's out. Sure. And also, too, if you think about look at the dates that's available between early November and the end of December. That's basically when people are going to be buying these games for, for Christmas gifts, for yeah. the holidays. So it's a marketing tool to kind of get people into wanting to buy it. And then, you know, after that, once people have the game, why keep it out anymore? So close it off in December 31st. No, I think it's smart. You know, the 24-hour thing was kind of a bust, but it was a great idea, and that could definitely be expanded on for next time. Yeah. And I think these things are really cool. I liked I love the idea that, you know, for the 24-hour, it was sort of set up as a um, you know, like a surveillance camera for, you know, in nature. You see this all the time in the real life, in the real world. So, I like that this is kind of extended onto that concept where you are maybe looking at it through surveillance cameras and blah 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 and i think that's kind of i think that's cool concept that they're that they're running with so i'm all for it let's check it out but i already know i'm getting the game if you're still on the fence this could definitely be something that sells people probably where they can say oh you know this is neat and and if nothing else it keeps it in people's minds Mm -hmm. so in addition to that little bit of pokemon news we have another thing Regarding the Gigantamax forms, which is a feature, if if for whatever reason you haven't heard, it basically is a new feature that's going to be in these games where they become supersized and then their movesets change and their appearances seem to change somewhat. So I think that's kind of cool. We don't have a ton of information on this. It does seem sort of like a weird gimmick. I think the reviews are very mixed on this Gigantamax feature, but uh, who knows? It could be kind of interesting. And if it mixes up the battle dynamic a little bit, where maybe there's a little bit more strategy involved, because this is a possibility where your opponent can all of a sudden Gigantamax. I'm all for that. I like the idea of maybe there being a little bit more strategy in this game. So we'll see. But what they did say in this is they gave us some more Pokemon that will have the ability, because not all Pokemon in the game have the ability to be Gigantamaxed. So they did say that uh, we will be seeing Charizard, a Pikachu, an Eevee, a Meowth, and a Butterfree that have this ability. And it's kind of cool because Charizard looks different. Pikachu's got like, it's, it's basically like fat Pikachu. And then Eevee is more fluffy. So you got a little fluffy version. (laughs) If you want, um, you know, chunky, Pikachu, Chunkachu, then you can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing like sumo wrestler Pikachu right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like a throwback because I think I think it refers to Pikachu yellow or a Pokemon yellow where on the cover he was kind of like this dumpy looking Pikachu. So now they're it's Chunkachu. That's what I'm going to call him Chunkachu. (laughs) And if you have Pokemon, let's go Pikachu, then you can 
if you have a saved version, saved copy, saved info in your Switch, you will have access to Chunkachu in your new Pokemon Sword or Shield. If you have Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, then you'll have Eevee in Pokemon Sword and Shield, which, again, I'm much happier that I have Pokemon Let's Go Eevee because I prefer Eevee over Pikachu. Um, And then to get Meowth, you have to buy the game. It's got to be an early purchase. That doesn't mean it has to be a pre-purchase. It just has to be early. And I think it runs from, you know, at any point now until... December, but I have to check on the the dates. But it, right. it's it's an early purchase, and you will get Meowth uh, in game as some sort of award or in the mail or something like that in the game, and you'll be able to be able to have Meowth. I'm trying to think of a punny name for Evie because you she said you said that it's more fluffy. Yeah, it's more fluffy. It's like you know how Evie has sort of the uh, I don't know like the neck. Fur, yeah, yeah. It's much. It's more. It's like poof, really fluffy around the neck in the. We can uh, call it. We can call it Max. <laughs> we can call it Fluff V. Oh, oh. I like that Fluff V. Chunkachu and Fluff V. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Very nice. <laughs> We're good like at names that. over here. <laughs> so let's move on to the new accessories and products. This first one is very interesting. Uh, you can now get another chance to play your old Game Boy games in 2020. So there is a new device coming out called the Analog Pocket, which is, quote, a multi-video game system portable handheld. And it will allow you to play over 2,780 Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. Uh, It works with cartridge adapters for other handheld systems, too, like Game Gear, Neo Geo, Pocket Color, Atari Lynx, and more. So this thing looks like the gen- like the general layout of it. It looks like the original Game Boy. It has the standard buttons of the Game Boy. It has a slot for cartridges, which and that's how you basically you play Game Boy Color, Game Boy Vans, Game Boy games. Just as long as you have the cartridges from those games, you can just slide them right in and play them. Uh, but the design is really sleek, clean, modern, black and minimal on the website for the analog pocket. There's also a light gray or white version. It's hard to tell, um, but as far as right now, people seem to be focusing on the black one. Um, but it also features more modern day upgrades. So it's going to have a rechargeable lithium ion battery, and you can charge it with USB-C. It has a three and a half inch LCD screen, which is 1600 by 1440 resolution, which is 10 times the resolution of the original Game Boy. It has also built in Nanoloop app, which is a popular synthesizer for making music based on the Game Boy's original sound chip. There's also a dock, and you can dock HDMI and play it on TV. So if you want to play your old school Game Boy games, you can now play them on a TV. Um, The dock also has two USB inputs for wired controllers or Bluetooth for wireless controllers. Uh, And this thing, this this awesome piece of technology is coming out sometime in 2020, and it's going to be listed for $199. Right off the bat, I thought I could see this thing in the MoMA store. Yeah, absolutely. It looks absolutely. cool. Yeah. It's very well designed. It, it's funny. It, do, it reminds me less of the original Game Boy and more of the Game Boy Light. Yeah. Um, and it, it is very similar to that. So if you picture it's, you know, much thinner. And I love the idea that you'll be able to play, you know, Game Boy games, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games in one device. I think that's fantastic. I don't yeah. care so much about the other games, you know, the Neo Geos, things like with the adapter. I, I don't care about that. But yeah. I do think... Playing those old games is fantastic. I don't have any more of those games. You know, I don't have a Game Boy anymore. I don't have a Game Boy Color anymore. Um, So I don't think I even have any of those games left in my collection. But Mm -hmm. if I had this device, I would definitely be more inclined to go to a used game store and start seriously looking at those old cartridges because it would be fun to play it again. And Mm -hmm. this has all those modern upgrades, which I think are fantastic. And it makes a ton of sense. I would do maybe 150, you know, going into that price point more than 200 um, because I just, I, I don't know, $200, that's a that's a handful I mean, it, more Switch games for me. It, it might go down. You never know. But that's oh, it'll just definitely, what it's listed at for right now. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's very cool. If you have a big library of Game Boy games or color games or advanced games, this is fantastic. It looks fantastic. Styled excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
definitely worth checking out at the yeah, very I, least. I forgot the name of the design agency that did it, but I think they're based out of the UK. Um, but they did a really, really great job. Uh, I think you're looking at the name right now. But yeah, just all, like you said, all the modern day upgrades they did, it, it's perfect. It's designed really, really well. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. think it is Analog is who creates it. And it's just called the Analog Pocket. Oh, okay. So it's okay. Analog that makes it and the device, I think, is Analog Pocket. All right. Okay, that makes yep. sense. Cool. But definitely check it out. And uh, I think I think if you're a Game Boy fan, you would love this device. It'll be interesting to see how or if this affects the used game market. I, I mean, it can't hurt it. At all. It can't hurt it. Here's, yeah. a, here's a brand new device that can play old games that were, you know, collectibles. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it can't hurt. It's going to be great for that, I think. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently. I forgot what it was. Um, it was just a random one I clicked on and was, and was watching. And the two people were discussing you know, what they think is going to happen in five, 10 years to all these old games. Do you think they're going to end up in museums or are they going, or was it on this podcast we were talking about it? Maybe it was this one. I'm not sure, (laughs) but they weren't sure if like all these old games, if there was, if they belonged in museums and that was it, or if they should only be in people's private collections because they can't, I mean, use game stores just can't hold on to these things forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this is a really smart way to kind of combine the market together a little bit. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm excited for it. it. It probably was us because we were talking about the one so. of a kind <laughs> PlayStation slash SNES crossover console that um, Sony and Nintendo were working on together. Yeah, that's what I was. And You're right. that, mm-hmm. if you hadn't heard, it was a couple episodes ago, I think. But we discussed basically this this new one of a kind console is for sale, and should this be bought by a private. Um, individual then that could in theory just go into their private collection and nobody gets to see it or should it be donated or you know purchased by a museum of some kind and go where the public can see it and kind of check it out because it's just a piece of um history so i think a lot of games fall into that category as well where there is a lot of people that collect them that gather them up because they're afraid things are going to go disappear and go into like the void and just never be seen again you know but Games, there's so many that get made that it's hard, in my mind anyway, where you're just never going to see them. But it, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, especially now with digital games, that's that's you know one reason, especially for having physical copies, because there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. If you have a digital, like me, I prefer digital. So in theory, if I erase my SD card or I switch consoles or whatever, and I don't keep that, that SD card, I don't own the game anymore. And if it's all digital, that, that game doesn't exist. In, you know, in the real world anymore. Now, in addition to that device, we do have a new controller coming out. It is the Nintendo Switch Witcher 3 themed controller. This is by Power A, and it's all matte black with glossy claw marks and a glossy crow. It also has a red little D-pad on it. So it's got this stylized look to go with Witcher 3. Some of the features that are included are wireless using Bluetooth 5.0. It features motion controls, but it has the mappable advanced buttons on the back as well. Now, you have a controller that has those mappable buttons on the back. I don't love it. I found that I was hitting those a lot by mistake and doing things I didn't mean to. Um, And that's, we're talking about the the face-off wired controller. Yeah. which that has the um, microphone plug in. Yes. We, That's what we're talking we about. We mentioned it last episode, I think, as well. And those have the paddle, like they're they're kind of like paddles instead of just buttons. But I, when I held that controller, I kept hitting those a lot by mistake. And I don't know it's, if it... The, the design is a little different between them, though. So if you looked at the Witcher one, that one has actual buttons that you'd have to like shift your finger a little bit to press. On the face-off controller, it has a huge one singular piece of plastic that goes across the entire back. So no matter where you squeeze, whether it's the left side or the right side, you're accidentally clicking those buttons. So I don't think it would be as much of an issue with the Witcher controller, but I mean, it's always a potential having something on the back. If you squeeze anywhere, you know, you might hit it. Well, yeah. And that's what I was going to say with those being paddles. I don't know if it's going to affect it quite the same as having buttons. And I don't know if it takes something because I only use that you know, picked it up and started playing and hit them. I don't know, maybe over Mm -hmm. time you get used to it, but they're there. And if that's something you like, 
this controller has it. This isn't a good thing, I don't think, but it includes AA batteries, which apparently will last for 30 hours of gameplay. It's odd to me that they don't have built-in rechargeable, but I guess you could always buy rechargeable AA batteries if that's something that's important to you. Um, so yeah, there's that option. This is $50 on the website and it does have, you know, two-year warranty and it's licensed by Nintendo. So it's it's legit. It's just um, you got to decide if, you know, $50 and having batteries is something that's important to you. Now, considering the Pro Controller is a lot more than that, this is probably a pretty good deal. And it looks very, very similar. The double the A battery thing. I just I can't get over that. I, I, it like, doesn't bother me that much. It bothers me because it's like no controllers do that anymore. And it's such a waste. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you do get rechargeable batteries, it's a pain in the butt to always have to pull them out and recharge them. And it it's just, it doesn't make sense for technology right now, mm-hmm. personally. Like, even Xbox, when they came out Xbox One, they realized they made a mistake, so they had to come out with the adapter so you could have a rechargeable battery on your controller. Yeah. Uh, so it just seems like, like, I just don't understand the thinking behind doing this, doing the, the batteries as opposed to just having it, it built-in battery that's rechargeable it could be cost i mean like i said it's 50 dollars versus the cost of a actual nintendo pro controller so maybe the cost is factored in i i don't know i mean like i said if it's really important you get just rechargeable double a's but you still would have to have four of them because then you got to have two charging or charged waiting and then two in the Mm -hmm. controller itself but i I don't know it may be the the button mapping takes more room in the back because you have those extra buttons maybe that's using up space i don't know it's a it's a weird choice not something i prefer but for 50 bucks it looks like a very very doable controller maybe it doesn't have the drift issues that the current pro controller does have with the d-pad which would be nice that would be a plus Mm -hmm. and i could deal with double a batteries and still have a d-pad that actually works and functions the way it should i'll take that any day um but it does look nice and if you're a huge fan of witcher i think it's it's a nice, nice controller. Yeah. I'm I'm also curious too if anybody listening is huge into button mapping. Like I feel like a lot of people I talk to, they don't do button map. Like they don't care about it. They just use whatever buttons are p- programmed into the game or the the switch or the Joy-Cons or whatever. Yeah. So I'm just like, is that really something that valuable in the market that they're they keep including these in the controllers? Like I just I'm just curious, like if anybody has like thoughts or there's any games that you need button mapping for that you just you swear by it for a specific game. Let us know, because I'm really curious. I think it probably gets into the pro levels type stuff. Like, look at the Xbox controller. They had that Xbox Elite, I think it was called, that came out and that was completely customizable and you could map things. You got buttons and paddles and you could take the thumb off and put a different type of thumb controller on there, thumbstick on it. and. I think that's very cool if, you know, it's I like the idea of being able to play the way you want. And I think that's probably where the value is. Maybe you don't use them, but maybe I don't know, maybe I I don't know, maybe your your trigger finger doesn't work, you know, so maybe you have a bad pointer finger and you have to use your other Mm -hmm. like it just allows for accessibility, if nothing else, where you maybe you have issues that certain fingers don't work that well. I don't know. But um I, I don't know. I guess it really depends. I would be interested in hearing if people do it all the time as well, because I could see for a game like, you know, Smash Brothers or something, if you had another button and you've got your fingers going crazy and you're doing all kinds of crazy moves, maybe you're hitting with something <laughs> else and people are just you're blowing people's minds because you're like, how are you hitting that so quick? Well, really, you're hitting two buttons. You're not just going up and down on one. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's for some yeah, advanced but- things we're just not into. Sure. But yeah, if, if any listeners out there do use a specific game or like button mapping for a specific reason, you know, message us on Twitter, tweet at us or, you know, throw it in our discord just because I'm really curious about it. I've never ran into where I felt like I needed it. So just 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 out of general just not curiosity. Pro enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not pro gamer. <laughs> not pro, Sorry, you're guys. not pro gamer. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to customize my controller for Pokemon. I'm going to be catching them all so easily. <laughs> Pro Chunkachu. Yeah, pro Chunkachu. We got a Gigantamax all over the place. Oh, God. <laughs> well, let's move on to the top 10 bestsellers of the week. <laughs> uh, first place, and I will say, I was really surprised that I was going through the list this week because we had some sales cause things to mix up 
quite a bit. <laughs> but first place, Untitled Goose Game, still staying strong there. Second place, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, that still isn't leaving. Third place, oh, I hope I pronounce this right, Taku no Tatsujin, Drum and Fun. Um, so that was 60% off right now. It's $20. I think originally it was like $60 or something like that, which is pretty crazy. Um, so that's in third place. Fourth place is Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which was also 70% off. So it's $17.99. Uh, fifth place, Luigi's Mansion 3, the pre-purchase. That's still stayed on the list. Bastion is sixth place. Anadine, seventh place. And then eighth place, Revenge of the Bird King, which is 98% off for a whopping nine cents. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'll be picking it up, but it, it caught my eye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then ninth place, Minecraft. And then 10th place, another sale item or game is One Piece. Pirate Warriors 3 Deluxe Edition for 70% off, which was brought it to eleven ninety nine. Um, And I think that was a pretty pricey game originally as well. And then we have a couple new games that came into the top 30. Uh, Witcher 3 didn't surprise me at all. This thing has gotten glowing reviews so far. Uh, and that's in 11th place. And 30th place was Killer Queen Black, which I hadn't heard of, I don't think. so. Well, that was one. I know Mots was excited in that one. So we'll have to see when he comes back on if it's something he did end up picking up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's some. I, I like when they have these sales because it gets yeah. a little repetitive when you see the same top 10 every single week. So I love when they do these sales and people are able to buy games that have probably been on their wish list mm-hmm. for quite a while. I'm always excited for that. I like when they really go on deep sales. Like I wouldn't buy One Piece Pirate Warriors 3, but I mean, 70% off is great. And and I missed the opportunity the last time when Naruto went on sale. So it's something where I personally would probably pick that up this time if it did that again. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really love the eShop and the sales that we get and the deals we get. I think it's fantastic. Makes things a little more interesting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I, I'm going to check out this Revenge of the Bird King for nine cents. I mean, that could be a total turd, but for nine cents, I mean, it's it's, it's potential potential it's, review. It's basically for free. Yeah, it yeah. could be Revenge of the Bird King. It could be a turd. You've heard it here first. I don't know. I honestly don't know anything about it. I mean, it's clearly I, selling look. well. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nine cents. Yeah. So speaking of games we're going to get into the new releases that we are into for this week and to kick it off october 21st is monaco the complete edition both christina and i gave this a little check mm-hmm. and it's 15 dollars. now i think one of the key reasons we both gave this a check is that it has co-op whether it's couch co-op or online co-op which is fantastic because it seems that doesn't happen and the the premise of this game is you assemble a team of thieves and you have to pull off the perfect heist. I love it. I'm already in. I don't need to hear anything else. I like this idea. I like that it has online co-op. $15 is very reasonable to me. Uh, This is the complete edition. So it actually doubles the content from the original release and they included a survival campaign, a zombie mode. Okay. Um, And then new ultra... Yeah, it's Halloween time, (laughs) so you get zombies. And a new ultra-challenging campaign that brings closure to the twist of the story. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the original version wasn't done. I don't know why you didn't have closure to that twist to begin (laughs) with. That's why we never heard of it. I never heard of it. They're just like, oh, it just ended. I don't even know what the end of the story is. But now we got the end in this complete edition. It does play from um, up to four people online or couch co-op. And... I'm excited. There's there's also leaderboards, which are great. And PC Gamer actually said this is, quote, one of the best co-op games of all time. Ooh. So, yeah. So for $15, I think this is probably like a must get. Yeah. I, I, I love the look of it. I like the idea of these thieving games. Um, it, it just seems like it would be really, really fun. And I don't even know how to describe the the style of the game. It's kind of like pixelated, but not. And it's like not tilt. Not what's that? Uh, it's, not, it's not isometric. It's more yeah. top down, in my opinion. And oh, it's sort okay. of an 8 bit, 16 bit um, game. But I think the gameplay style, the, the impression that I get from it is that yeah. it's sort of like the lovers in a space, whatever. Lovers game. in a dangerous space time. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like <laughs> that where we're all running around trying to do different things together. Mm-hmm. 
And if one of us isn't able to do it, then, you know, something else kind of falls apart. That's that's the impression I was getting from this. Yeah, I, I kind of got that feeling, too. But the, the look of it, I, I love the shaders they use. I don't know what mm-hmm. they did, but it just glows and it reminds me of like Tron. And it, yeah. very cool. Very cool. I definitely want this one. And I want all three of us to play it together. I yeah, think, it I would think be this fun. would be fun. <laughs> Um, next on the list is a game called the park. Both me and Michael checked this one as well. Uh, this it's more like an interactive story. So it's a one to two hour long first person psychological horror experience. Uh, there's a focus on really intense storytelling and exploration versus like combat and action. Uh, and basically you are playing this woman who is looking for her missing child in an abandoned theme park. It reeks of creepiness, and I, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in this. Uh, apparently, the theme park had a lot of really terrible things happen there. There were some gory murders, some really curious accidents that have happened, uh, but it, it looks really interesting. Now, it has mixed reviews on Steam, which originally I didn't know, but you looked this up, um, and it actually costs more on Steam. It's $13 on Steam, but it's $10 in the eShop, and Having it be only a, a one to two hour long game or like experience, I guess, I don't know if I'd be willing to spend even $10 on it, um, especially on something that has mixed reviews. Yeah, I love yeah. these atmospheric games. I love the idea of it. I don't have a huge $10 for two hours, up to two hours. You know, it could yeah. even be you're done in an hour. It said but one ten, to two hours. So, yeah, who one knows? to two. So, <laughs> $10 for that. I don't, if it had outstanding reviews, because I mean, think about it. You go to the movies and it's eight like to $10, 13 oh, bucks, yeah. depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mind spending that for a good experience, but $10 for something that's mixed. Uh, I, I will check this and I'll put it to the wish list, but I, I don't know if I want to spend that much. And this could be one of those things that instantly goes on sale too when it gets launched. So I'm going to definitely keep an eye on it. I think it's perfect for this time of year. I kind of love the idea that it's a quick game. You can pick it up. You're going to get through the story and hopefully you're satisfied with that. And then that's fine. It's it's worth it. But for me, that's more of a $5 investment. I don't know. Yeah, I would pay $8 for it, I think. Because then that is essentially like the local theater. It's a movie ticket for the local theater. I I would pay that. But yeah. Yeah. But it seems interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the next one is something that you would pay full price for. <laughs> so let me let me first start off saying, so I have a cat and I, I hate being the stereotypical person that likes cat themed stuff because I have a cat. But I saw this and it was really freaking cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on, the, on October 24th, there's this game coming out called Cat Quest 2. I didn't even know there was a Cat Quest 1, but apparently there was. I don't know. Um, it's coming out for $14.99. So this game, it's a 2D open world action RPG. It takes place in a fantasy world of cats and dogs. Uh, it tells the tale of two kings. One is a cat, one is a dog. Brought together against their will on a journey of possum discovery to reclaim their thrones. <laughs> I have to tell you, the video of this game, like the the ad for it, the puns are amazing <laughs> as you're watching it. I think it's like the capital is called Cat Pittle. Oh it's God. great. It's great. It's perfect. Um, it's up to two player co-op. I couldn't figure out if it was online or like couch co-op. I'm thinking it's online. I'm going to hope it is um, because I feel like this would be a fun game. Like I'm sure I could like elbow you into playing it with me just to try it out. But it looks really cute. And the world itself, the way it's actually styled is really interesting. It's isometric, but it's like you're looking down at a map it, and you have these really cute little like dog and cat character fighting these other cute little demon character things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it just it looks very it looks adorable. Um, and yeah, I would actually probably pay $14.99 for this. So, <laughs> yeah, this was something I. I mentioned it to you and another friend of ours, Becca, who has about 14 cats. I said, you know what? This <laughs> four, is the game. She has four. I'll defend her. It's only four. Which is right four now. too many. But <laughs> this game had the original one, Cat Quest. Um, I said it, it's on mobile iOS. Okay. Uh, I think it's on Android as, as well. But mm. it is also on Steam. The original is on Steam for $13. Or not Steam, oh. excuse me, for Nintendo. 
Uh, it's on the eShop for thirteen dollars, mm-hmm. so you can get both. And they, it does look like uh, it looks good, and it has very, mm-hmm. very positive reviews on Steam. Yeah. So both versions do have positive reviews. I don't think it's just cat lovers that give it positive reviews. I think it actually is a decent. Well, there's game. dogs. There's dogs in it too, so it's for everyone. I would say it's, they're probably the enemy. <laughs> No, there's the one king. Well, no, one king is a cat. One king is a dog. They're friends. They're working all right. together. Well, that's okay. I can accept that. Okay. I can be okay with that. In a world where cats and dogs get together, it's, it's anarchy. definitely fantasy. It's anarchy. <laughs> I don't believe any of this. Oh, shush. It's anarchy. Um, but yeah, I think it looks cute. I think mm-hmm. in it, you know, maybe Cat Quest One, you should invest in that. You don't want to jump into the lore. Have you know, second one, you got to get it from the the origin story. You probably should get Cat Quest One first. You don't want to be out there lost in the world. Well, so. let me do this. Let me do this. So, listeners, do I need to get Cat Quest One? Do I need to know that story before I jump into the world, or do you think I'll be okay? All right, now we'll find out. I feel like we already know the answer to that. You got to know. You I mean, there's get... games. There's games where it really doesn't matter. Yeah, true. Yeah. Now, so. another one that we both have checked is, I, I believe it's Lethis. That's how I, I pronounced wrong. it, too. Yeah, Path yeah. of Progress. Yeah. So Lethis, Path of Progress, is an old school 2D city builder that's set in a Victorian steampunk universe called Lethis. And it's exactly what you would expect from a city builder. You build and manage your city. You have to get resources for all of your little inhabitants that are scurrying around. You have to have enough workers to sustain the production line. You get to trade with other cities, which I always like. And then Mm -hmm. you have to please your emperor and the citizens alike. So I love that. I like city builders. I'm a big sucker for city builders. I'm currently playing something that's not a city builder, but kind of has this management strategy like a Norse involved. city builder strategic yeah game. kind of kind of <laughs> yeah. this i mean this but. is very much more like uh city skylines right if mm-hmm. that's what we you know that yeah. which i love and um i've thought about getting on the switch but i haven't pulled the trigger on that yet well Same. this is a possibility it's on sale right now for 18 dollars, and it features uh, a campaign mode that contains 26 missions with different v- difficulties in case you want to mix it up a little bit. It has a sandbox mode, so you can just play and do whatever you want. There's 24 different resources to manage. You have 40 different buildings and four unique monuments. There's over 15 different characters that go around the city. So, I mean, it sounds like a mo- it's, a, it's a much more scaled down version of those games, but yeah. it seems very, very cute and the art style alone is very endearing and sort of like this animated look to it professor layton if you if you're familiar with that game it's kind of this animated storybook look to it and apparently has an amazing soundtrack with 20 different songs that get to play through it so i think it looks really really good it has it has good to mix reviews on steam some people said it you know it's just not enough it's a little limited but Overall, it seems to be very, very positive, and and uh, I I like city builders. If that's your thing, I think it's definitely worth looking into. Yeah. Now, I think for me, I have one left, and this is probably our last one that's checked. But I checked Soul Searching. It's a ten dollar game that's on sale for eight dollars, and it's being described as a narrative survival game where you control a lone traveler who sails from homeland to an endless sea, which just sounds wonderful. And along the way, you get to visit different islands and you talk to the locals of those islands and learn about their stories. And you also learn about souls and dragons. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a fantasy game of some kind. And your whole point is you're trying to survive. So you're trying to survive this hostile world with being uh, without fighting. You're just peacefully trying to get through and you have to deal with hunger thirst and your energy levels now here's where it starts getting a little cheesy possibly to me is that they're they're trying to throw in this dynamic of you're searching your own soul while you play this game and they explain it as quote unquote outside the gameplay the main goal is to think about your life soul searching conveys feelings that rarely appear in games it deals with themes like growing up isolation searching for meaning and direction it's a personal expedition deep into your soul that's probably not going to happen. It's a game. So for me, I'm just kind of like, man, I could do without that crap. But 
I like the idea. I like the look of the game. It does feature some single player modes where you get to like explore and apparently it's extremely emotional stuff. I don't know. We'll see. And it does have random modes. So uh, one to four players can just jump in there and it's a randomly generated map. So you can kind of all work together to survive and search each other's souls, apparently. And then there's many different islands that you can get around. So there's there's stuff. You can have some fun with this game for the $8. It does interest me i just love i don't i don't like all the other mumbo jumbo they tried to jam into it about searching your soul but i like the actual game itself it's kind of like how much do you want to drink the kool-aid for this yeah, game kinda, <laughs> yeah like come on um, it's an interesting know. concept if games could really do that awesome i don't mm-hmm. think a game for eight dollars necessarily could but you never know i don't know uh, who knows i mean I, <laughs> it I guess might change you as a human being michael i i've never played <laughs> a single game that search made me search my soul and in the meaning of life but maybe you're the type of person where these things do happen i don't know i can't speak for you but apparently that is one of the goals or the main goal uh of this game so who knows it, it's it's a possibility but for me, probably not. But I would just enjoy it for what it is. I, th- I think there was a game that actually did have that effect on you a little bit. Because we had some really interesting conversations after you played it. Are you talking about Soma? Yeah. I Yeah, but that didn't make me search my soul. That was just a really fascinating game. You know, I, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't pull the plug in, on people in Soma and, and like question my own existence. No, I just but think you that, questioned a lot of other things like AI, well, stuff like that. I questioned. Yeah. I, for me with Soma, and if anybody hasn't played Soma, it's fantastic. You should Great definitely check it out. for this time of year. It's excellent Absolutely. for this time of year. Yeah. Uh, it's not on the Switch. Sorry, Nintendo. But it is definitely something to check out. It's on Steam and mm-hmm. other stuff, I believe, Xbox. But uh, Soma is fantastic. But my biggest question with Soma was, were the decisions I'm making in the game really affecting the outcome of the game? And that's where I really... It, I don't I don't know, and I don't believe so, but... Ultimately, that's what I really, really wanted to start happening. And I want a Soma 2 where now it pushes the questions and pushes the the gameplay mechanics that they created in the original mm-hmm. to another level. And, I, you know, it, it is a fascinating game and it definitely will make you um, second guess your decisions. So it's I think something that's, you'll be thinking about later in the day when you're not yes, playing it. Yeah. Yes. So you definitely <laughs> think about the game. Not yeah. not in the way I think of like this one is trying to to get you to do, but you definitely really carry that game with you for a number of reasons once you're done with it. I think it's fantastic. Definitely worth it. We, we did have out. a conversation though about like, would you pull the switch on this person? Yeah. Yeah, in we real did. Life. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I like would pull I like the when switch games on do everybody. That. Well, that's why you don't drink the Kool Aid. And just like let this. it all burn. <laughs> just bring it to all the ground. Burn to the ground. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not oh. true. But on that positive note, what you playing? Uh, so surprisingly, I didn't play Link's Awakening at all this week. I've oh. been playing. I know, I know, I know. But I still love it, and I'm going to go back to it, obviously. Um, but I've been playing a different game that a review will be coming out for very soon. Um. I'll give a a brief introduction into it. So the eyes of Ara, you are going to this old abandoned castle. It's giving off a radio signal and it's disrupting the local town. So you've been tasked with the job of going up into this place that everyone's kind of scared of and is apparently haunted and figuring out what the radio signal it is and shutting it off. Um, First, like right when you get into the castle, it's all these different puzzles and things. Uh, And, the first puzzle I ran into was very easy and immediately the next one was instantly harder. Like they are like, as you go, they get harder and harder and more difficult. And originally when you start playing it, you have to complete a puzzle before you can get to the next room. So it's almost like an escape room sort of setup. Okay. But then you get into this bigger room, which has smaller rooms basically within it. And there's like five different puzzles you have to solve all in a different order to get on to the move on to the next area um when i got there i just i was kind of overwhelmed a little bit with how many things i was i was so worried i was gonna miss something in one room um but i learned really quickly it doesn't you can like go back and forth between rooms there isn't a very like fluid way for you to solve the puzzles necessarily um 
so that was kind of relaxing. Overall, I have been very relaxed playing this game. I was worried I was going to be really scared going into it or or just I, I thought it was going to be like jump scares and things like that. But it, it hasn't really been that at all. Uh, it's It's been a little there's eerie things that kind of happen. You're like, oh, that's weird. There's like a weird shining light for no reason. Um, but it other than that, it hasn't been like spooky or really scary or anything like that. Just a little eerie. It's kind of nice to play this time of year. You know, when you're in bed at night and you're playing and doing these puzzles and it's nice and relaxing. Um, I will say this originally came out in 2016, I think, 2016 or 2017. And the the look of it reminds me of Penumbra or like Amnesia, like those kinds mm-hmm. of games. Just not scary <laughs> or super scary, just kind of a little spooky or eerie. Um, but overall, I'm enjoying it. It has glowing reviews on Steam all over overwhelmingly positive reviews on the scene. People really like this game. It feels like it's almost like a cult sort of like love for this game. Hmm. So um, yeah, I'm That's... currently very stuck. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, I can't figure it out, but I'm sure I will eventually. But That's interesting because it's funny that it's relaxing and not scary because it definitely gives off the vibe when I was mm-hmm. originally looking mm-hmm. at this, that it's a spooky, like a horror game. I mean, there are moments where you'll walk into a room and there's like this messed up radio signal making a noise and it's just kind of like it rubs you the wrong way and that's eerie mm-hmm. and you don't like it, but you can turn off the radio hmm. um, or you like hear a radio signal off in the distance or something. Uh, and there's moments where like things get knocked down, but it's not like it's it's not very like it's not super scary. It's not something's going to jump out and grab you or jump out of the dark or scare you or anything like that. It's like a, a mellow kind of scare <laughs> okay well yeah that sounds interesting i'm excited mm-hmm. to see the review and you know people can check yeah. that out and get it now because if if you are into this for yeah it's, again, it's out for now the time of yeah. year i don't know how much it is off the top of my head because i already bought it so i can't look at it in the eShop. Um, oh gotcha yeah, yeah i hate how they do that that you i know can't i really wish see. i could see the the cost of something when they do yeah, that it's kind of annoying <laughs> I, i'm looking it up right now the cost for it is 15 dollars, not on sale oh, uh, but okay. it's 15 dollars right now digital all right okay so far so. i'll say so far at the moment i'll say it's it's worth the price cool all right and then we'll get the official number when the review comes out yes you will but other than that i pre-ordered pokemon shield so that is good to go that's um, exciting but I will say people who there are other people who want to pre-purchase it. You can't pre-purchase it in the eShop for some reason. Yeah. Um, even though it definitely should be pre-purchasable in the eShop. Uh, I ended up pre-purchasing it from Amazon. So you can get it on Amazon, both the physical and the digital version. Uh, I went physical this time because if I decide I want to sell it back, I want to have that option. And since I found out a bunch of my friends have switches that I never knew about, if they want to borrow it, I would like to let them borrow it. Um, but you can also get the digital version. Amazon, you just have to click down and make sure you select that option. But yeah. Good good to know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, for me, I've been looking at the eShop. I definitely, I don't know. I may just wait until the day it comes out and then mm-hmm. just buy it on the eShop. I'm really not sure. There's nothing from what I can see. There's no incentive to buy it pre-purchase where like Luigi's Mansion, you get double the gold coins, you get all these other things. And I really wish Nintendo was doing that with this. There is one, but if it's only on Amazon. So if you pre-purchase the game, you get $10 Amazon credit. Okay. All right. So that's that's, cool that's one thing. At least so, that's what it said. I don't know if I got it yet. It'll probably go through once it actually like ships and they take the money out of my account. But hmm. that's what I so saw what when I'll, I ordered it. I may do that and look into it, but I will mm-hmm. go digital and I'm curious to see if they'll give me the digital code that I can enter and have it preloaded on my Switch like other digital pre-purchase games do. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be there waiting. You just can't play it yet. And that's what I would ideally want. I want it there yeah. so it's ready to go the second the game is live. Um, but yeah, I'm going to look into that and and see. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about now, you? What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I played a couple of games. So the first one, I started back into Hollow Knight and I haven't put a ton of time into it. I'm just trying to basically figure out where the heck I am in the game. Uh, I've been looking at the map. I have no clue what I'm looking at. I've It's been too long. And so I literally had to look it up because I knew what I was trying to do the last time I was there before I went venturing off. And, and uh, I, basically, I'm trying to do my second battle with hornet 
And so I had to realize, I had to look and see where she was because I had no clue where I was trying to go. And now I've made my way back to her and we're about to battle and she's about to beat me for the 100th time. So that's where I'm at. Uh, it's going to take me quite a while to beat her because I have to get back into the controls of the game. And then you have to not only get better with the controls, but you have to be sharp with the controls again because it's, you know, there's a lot of precision when you're battling her. And I'm I'm playing it, I think, on hard. I don't even remember. I might even have to bump it down just to kind of get back into the swing of things. If you, um, you want to borrow my face-off controller to map those back buttons to help you out, well, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> that would be unfair because then I would probably just be so pro that... Pro gamer. She she wouldn't stand a chance (laughs) if I had all those buttons to push. But uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing with Hollow Knight. Uh, Again, the game is just fantastic. I just need to finally get through it. There's just so much to do. Uh, And then I started a new game, Northgard, where I will be writing a review. It's Northgard is a strategy RTS game based on Norse mythology. And this is the one I was saying where it's kind of like a city builder. in the extent that you're setting up, you know, here's my hunter, here's my house, here's my this, here's my that. It's not like the other game we were talking about or City Skylines or anything like that, hmm. but it's an RTS. It's more like Civilization, if you've ever played any of those games. So it's very, very well done. I will say it's more um, um, sim- not, not simplified, but more specific. It's a much more like streamlined, specific game built around Norse mythology and it's good. It's really, really well done. You can tell that it was a PC game because I will say that the UI is, uh, while it's it's built well for the Switch, it's small. So even when I play it on TV, the type is small. It's hard to read some of it. Some of the different UI and like the, the mapping and where things go is a little confusing. You do use the D-pad to kind of select around things and you use the plus and minus to kind of get to other menus and the R and L to get to other menus. But once, once you open a menu, it's essentially a circular wheel and you use your thumbstick to kind of select on different things. And that's how you get around it. And there's not great explanation on where those things are for the longest time i had little icons popping up when people were hungry or unhappy or sick or whatever was going on with them and mm-hmm. i could see it in the bottom of the screen but i had no idea what they were because touch screen isn't implemented in this and i was playing it in handheld and i couldn't tap on it obviously and i didn't know how to check it i just had no idea what those icons meant i just knew it wasn't good or at least the couple that were there weren't good because it was like a red drop. So I knew blood or something was happening. Yeah. Um, But I I had no idea what they were for. And I did figure it out. You can look through it through some of the menus. But all in all, so far, I'm enjoying it. It's got beautiful voice uh, work, voice acting in it. The animations and the, the artwork that shows during the narration and the story is beautifully done. Very, very well done. And I... Handheld, it runs really, really well. What last time I was playing it docked, I was noticing it kind of stuttering a little bit, which hmm. I'm confused by. I may restart the game and just to see if it's something that's causing a hiccup. But for some reason, it kept stuttering uh, off and on and kind of like, I, I don't know for sure what was going on there. I have to see if it does it after a restart. Yeah. And this game does have online multiplayer so you can play with friends. So you could have, I, I would assume, either work together or battle each other, but I have not tested that yet. So I'm currently working on the review that will be coming out sometime soon. But if you do want to check out the game, it is currently available on the Switch uh, and it's for $35. You can get both the eShop version, the digital version, or a physical version. So it's worth looking at. It's it is well, well done for the price. And then the last thing that I've been playing is Mario Kart Tour. I have been putting in, like I said, a lot of time on this game, really trying to dissect you know, whether the value is there, whether it's a good game. And overall, I still enjoy the gameplay. I find myself picking it up more than not. And I find myself picking it up sometimes more than my Switch when I just have a couple minutes to do a couple races. And a lot of that goes to the fact I'm trying to complete everything, not just finish, but complete the races before that two weeks run out. And then everything starts all over again. Mm-hmm. I did l- run out of my gold pass. So Uh-oh. now, well, it, and, and essentially what that means is um, I won't be getting as many rewards for doing races which means i won't be getting as many cars or as many rubies to buy 
you know, cars and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm going to keep playing it. I want to see what the penalty is for Gold Pass. Is it worth the $5? Is it not worth the $5? And I want to see. I want to do it before and do it after because before I ran out of Gold Pass, I was able to accumulate almost 200 rubies, maybe just north of 200, which is quite a bit. That's, you know, that's almost five, almost four or five different spins on the 10 plus pipe to mm-hmm. get drivers and everything. So I'm going to play a few and grind without it. I want to see how much of a hit do I take. I think it's going to be significant and see if that $5 is worth another month for people. I don't know. I'm still, I I think $5 is the cheapest option for the game compared to the charges and cost of everything else on it, which is just astronomical. But at this point, they're they're just not worth it. Buying the rubies is not worth it. The bundles is not worth it. And and at this point, honestly, I think the $5 for the gold pass is the only thing that's even remotely worth it spending money if you want to spend money because you can earn enough to get other things but man those other things are so overpriced that it makes the five dollars look like a value in comparison because you have it for the whole month you don't have it just for you know one and done well that's how they did it (laughs) that's how they did it exactly they they overcharged on the bundles and the gotcha system so that you raises the value of the of the gold pass pass. yeah absolutely so it's interesting i i don't know i really don't think i would be putting the money into it but i am enjoying the gameplay and i'm excited to see when multiplayer comes out and see if that changes the dynamic if it makes it harder makes it easier but uh overall yeah that's what i've been playing nice yeah. So that w- that's it. I mean, if there's anything else you want to jump in on, we can keep chatting. But I think that is the episode. Like every other week, if you want to write to us, chat with us, have any sort of conversation with us, you can feel free. You can reach us at NintendoDispatch.com or you can reach us at Dispatch Podcast. Thank you for listening once again. And this has been your Nintendo Dispatch.